guess who back in the house? Detroit Strange. It's Alex. And oh. Jess. Yeah. And together us. we are Detroit Strange. This podcast. The one you're listening to. Yes. We just had a very musical moment. We were both singing songs. Blondie. We were singing Blondie. Yes. Uh, before that was RuPaul. That's who the guess who back in the house comes from. Oh, I did not know. I was just dancing. Fair. It's a, it's a bop. I was um, bopping. You were, you were bopping. But then it turned into Call Me My Blondie, which turned into, oh my God, have you heard that Miley Cyrus cover of Call Me? Which turned into, oh my gosh, Miley Cyrus does great covers. Yeah. Which she does. Have you heard her cover of Smells Like Teen Spirit? Yes, actually. So good. Yeah. And Jolene, of course, classic. Yes, yes. Which, I mean, like, the, the original is great, too, so obviously. But, you know, she has a great voice. Yeah. She, like, really, truly does. And I feel like, I don't know, I I feel like she's putting true emotions into it when she does. Like, she must like the cover to do it. You know what I mean? Like, you can feel her respect i feel like she's really finding her stride as an artist yeah because i feel like a lot of the stuff she's been putting out lately i'm like this is exactly what i want from miley cyrus yeah like midnight sky was a bop 100%. mother's daughter a bop mm-hmm. i mean i still love the ashley o stuff i know it wasn't the point but i'm gay so deal with it <laughs> that's fine all the gays love ashley o she was in one of my it, those songs were definitely in my top 100 for last year for spotify Really? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they were catchy on purpose. I know. I mean, that was the whole point of them was to be that catchy song or those catchy songs. And boom, bitch, they got me. Yeah. I got got. How many actual songs were there? I think there were two. I really listened to okay. the on a roll, though. Okay. Let's just say I've listened to that song more times than I've watched Black Mirror total. Really? I watched that episode a lot, actually. I love Black Mirror. Yeah. I like it, but I really have to be in such a specific mood for it. And Quarantimes has not been the time. Oh, yeah. It's uncomfortable. It's very, very uncomfortable. That episode, though, is actually less uncomfortable, I think, than many of the episodes. That's one of the more accessible ones. Yeah. Mm hmm. There are some there's a couple I can't watch again. Actually, the the first video game one fucked me up. The oh, one that where he has to really... microchip. Yeah, 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 with the friends. Yeah. The two dude friends, and then... No, they're... it was the guy, he goes into the R&D, and they're like, we have this new game thing we want you to try. They just, like, jam this microchip <gasps> on the back of his head. Yes. And it keeps getting more and more distorted. I thought you were talking about the one where the guys play, like, a video game via the internet, and they go in there, and but then it's like, they plug themselves in? I've heard that one, and everyone's like, you need to watch that one, and I'm like... You do. I haven't yet. It's interesting. I hear it's an interesting talk on sexuality. It's yeah, it's one of the trippier ones that kind of just it keeps you thinking it will. It's it's about sexuality for sure. But I think there's also kind of this like reality versus pseudo reality kind of yeah. situation, too, in it because of the video game. It just. Yeah. If you think the other video game one is trippy. I'd yeah. say this one fucks you up more like it just in the, the fact that it just keeps you thinking. Maybe it'll be one of my spooky season watches because mm-hmm. spooky season is rapidly approaching. We could we could do some watch parties. Very into that. <laughs> Remember when everybody was really into the Netflix watch parties? We can do those. Very into that. Yeah. It also reminds me another podcast I listen to does watch parties too, where they like have a Zoom call and they'll just watch. It's two drag. It's two former Drag Race contestants, two winners actually. Oh, fun. It's Bob the Drag Queen and Monet Exchange. <gasps> Oh, Bob. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Love Bob I, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. I love both of them. Their podcast is so funny because they really do fight like siblings. Aww. Um, But in like the most loving way. But they're always just yeah. like, well, no, I was right this one time. And like, you know, just very petty ass sibling shit. So but cute. they do. They're doing watch parties of Drag Race. I think they're doing season 10 right now. They had to they were doing season eight for a while. But with Chichi mm-hmm. Devane's passing, they decided to move on. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. R.I.P. Chichi Devane. Yeah. That's sad. Yeah. Um. Okay. <laughs> it. Yeah. Sorry not to bring the room down. No, no, no. But I mean, like, stuff happens. And yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, I don't know what to say. Yeah. Oh, no, totally. 
But they do watch parties. So maybe mm. if we find a show, we could do something like that. Yeah. They do it for their Patreons, though. Oh, that would actually be kind of fun. Yeah. So. Mm, interesting. Things. Thoughts yeah. and things. Yeah. More is coming down the pipeline. Mm-hmm. Specifically a Patreon. Mm-hmm. And not just the Mario pipeline featured in Alex's background on Zoom right now. Yeah, uh, bitch, I'm coming to you live from the Mushroom Kingdom, World 1-1. Mm-hmm. In fact, should I Instagram this moment? Yeah, I mean, I look like shit, but go for it. Oh, I already did a, a tour of my studio coming into it today. So I feel like this just goes with it. This, So we're recording. Oh, we're recording. Hey. Listen to this episode Wednesday. Yeah. Unless you're already listening to it, because we're literally recording right now, and then you're actively listening if... How's the future, bitch? Is the future great? We don't know what it is. We're still Monday hoes. (laughs) Yeah, we'll be Wednesday hoes by Wednesday. Yes. (laughs) Oh, I forgot that that happens. Oh, yeah, that's a... Oh, yeah. Oh, Oh, jeez. Oh, jeez. Oh, Oh, my goodness. Ah, jeebus. Oh, God. You guys were all just a part of our Instagram story from the future. Yes. On the Monday. Okay, this is too much for my brain. Yeah, I can't with time travel. I like Google thinks that I'm interested in it though, and tries to show me articles, and I'm like, until it's a thing, don't tell me about it. I don't really care about like the physics behind it. Oh, I heard something the other day that apparently it's been available to the government since 1981 or something. Supposedly, I don't know. I have no corroboration. I'd like. I don't. This is just a thing I heard, and I was just like, huh. All right. I mean, that messes with my brain. I don't yeah. want to think about it. Yeah. I not a time travel podcast. No, not at all. And also like it's not that I don't have interest in it, but also I don't have interest in it. So anything that comes across, I'm like I'm a person I'm personally like a let's not mess with that. That's my whole that's where my interest level stops. Yeah. Science can go too far. And I think time yeah. travel is one of those things. Yeah. I've seen on too many TV shows and movies of time travel going wrong. Mm-hmm. So I can't imagine that, like, we would ever yeah. get it right. No, no, no. Let's get off these topics, though. Ooh. Yeah. Where did where did any of this come from? I don't know. I mean, it is spooky season, so. Maybe that's it. Yeah. Yeah. But on a less spooky note, Great British Bake Off started back up. I know. I watched. Did you watch the first episode? I did. I did. Me too. Very interesting. Yes. I love one of my favorite characters this season so far is the Tim Gunn knockoff. And you know exactly who I'm talking about. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Didn't do so great in episode one. But I love the enthusiasm. I love that like his intro shot was him playing his flute in his magic garden alone. This here's Rowan. He's a music teacher. He lives in Baffinshire with his partner, Paul. He plays the flute. I like the younger man who's very enthusiastic and listens to the cakes. Yeah, Because he saw it on a different season that I forget which previous contestant. Season three. Like to listen to the cakes to see if they're done. If it's still the liquid will inside, tell you. it'll boil and make a horrendous <laughs> popping sound. But if it's just done in a moist cake, it'll be a lovely popping. Mm-hmm. And I just like him because he's so enthusiastic and his eyebrows are like oh, yeah. naturally up here. He is naturally always excited. And he just looks like he's super awake. He's excited and awake all the time. And also, he's a little clever. He yeah. knows his strengths and his weaknesses. Yes. Can we also talk about the new host, Matt Lucas? I had to Google his name. Oh my gosh, name. he's so... I love him. Me and Jess, were, me and other Jess were talking about this the other day, about how, like, I love how many gay people are on that show that's not their, like, defining trait. Like, oh, there's Mark the Gay Baker. It's like, no, he lives in his... It's just... And, like, how Matt Lucas casually mentioned, I call them confirmed bachelor noodles because I'm a homosexual. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And I was like, that's I forget funny. who he's talking to, but yeah, that was Laura. I love <laughs> yeah. her too. Yes. Especially when she's like, Do you like that was Battenridge? Battenberg? Whatever. Battenberg. Oh. I think it's Battenberg. Battenberg. Mm-hmm. She's like, no, nah, not really am I. Well, I'm like, and the whole thing about um like British reality television. It's the best. 
they're always the best. You love every contestant because they're so this. It's the same thing with like glow up because they're so genuinely like they're not out to get each other. Generally, they don't promote that like. Like aggressive, like whatever nature that some reality shows do. It is, it is a competition. It is a contest and they all realize it, but they're all still like supportive and like genuinely sad when somebody leaves. Like, you know, it's going to happen, but they're like, oh, or like, I'm not sure if it's a spoiler, but when that one girl bumped into that guy. Oh, yeah. I felt for her. I think that was vague enough that people can't be offended. Yeah. But I felt I felt her pain and I was like, oh, this is going to affect her way more than it affects him. And then it did. And that's so genuine. And just like right. she's authentically like. You won't hear the words. I'm not here to make friends on a British reality no. competition series. No. And I love uh, particularly on that show because they always show them like at the end and they're like, oh, these two people live by each other. So they hang out and have crumpets sometimes. Oh, I love like seeing on social media like, oh, I just mm-hmm. got together with Sarah from Westonshire. Made a lovely tea yeah. cake. Yeah. British Bake Off. They they took the pandemic. They figured out a way to still produce it that was safe for contestants and safe for production. Yeah. And I think it's really it smart us. how they do that how they did it. And we need this right now. And I'm very grateful to the Great British Bake Off. We one hundred percent need this. It is mental oatmeal. It's a nice warm hug. Yeah. I've like yeah. On my second watch of the first episode. And mm-hmm. I love that they don't just dump it all at once. Because as much as I'd love to binge it. Mm-hmm. I don't appreciate it as much when I binge it. Yeah. And there is something to look forward to. The only thing is on Netflix. I forget more. Because Netflix is so bingey. Yeah. That like on HBO. I remember like oh it's Sunday. Or like whatever day the show is. Whereas on Netflix. I have no idea what day. Is it Friday? Just I think so. Third? day okay i forget though because it's so many shows that just get dumped yeah although on another hand speaking of shows that have recently the whole season was dumped this is a hulu show have you ever watched pen 15 i haven't i've heard great things Mm. have not seen it yet kisses to the chef chef's kisses chef's kisses Mm -hmm. that's what they're called yes (laughs) Um, I never know the regular way to say things. Let's just establish that right now. I will always say things. The only reason I call them that is Jen, because she's just like, mm, chef's kisses. It does the motion. I say kisses from the chef because I'm going to make it more complicated than it needs to be. Oh, there's kisses from the chef then, yeah. I apologize to all of the UK for all the accents I have done throughout the course of this show. <laughs> I did get called out for my British accent by a Londoner <gasps> once. But to be fair, I really was doing the most, like, garbage, stereotypical British orphan voice. Mm-hmm. Like, you want to bite the fucking cock, yeah? Like, oh, that kind of, yeah. like, just like, I grew up in Cockney and have an open head injury currently <laughs> accent. <laughs> yeah, that's dangerous. Gotta watch that. Yeah. Mm. That's why I wear a helmet all the time in the UK. Just in the UK? Just in the UK. Just in the UK. Okay. Yeah. Fair. The second I cross that border into Ireland, I take that shit off. Also fair. What about Scotland? What do you do in Scotland? Um, It's just a helmet and a kit, kilt. It's just a plaid helmet. Okay. I switch helmets to my plaid helmet. Here's the real tricky one. What about whales? Uh, I have a helmet shaped like a whale. <laughs> and I just... You know what? I wear one shaped like a dolphin when I go there. We should go together. We can be an yeah. aquarium that walks around. Mm-hmm. We just need a crab. Yeah. <laughs> we need a crab, not crabs. We don't need to. We no. do not need that negativity no. in our life. No. No. Oh, <laughs> uh, so anyway, what are you sipping on with your pinky up in the air? Thank you for calling out the pinky. Um, uh, so proper. But it is. Just some good old-fashioned apple cider and spiced rum. It is one of my favorite things for this time of year. I had that the other day because I made apple cider in my crock pot. How did it turn out? Because you said you were going to make it, but I didn't actually check up after you made it. It was good, except for I put too many cloves in it because I had whole cloves. Yeah. And cloves do that thing to your tongue where it, like, numbs your tongue. 
back to Bake Off, I loved when Matt Lucas ate one of the decorative fruits and he's like, what were those made of? Like, You're not supposed to eat those. He's like, well, I know that now. He's like, they're <laughs> cloves. Your mouth is going to go numb. Mm-hmm. So now I just want to get a I whole mean, clove and bite right into it and have it a nice adventure. Yeah. So other than I want to do it again, though. Mm-hmm. It was very easy to do. So the thing I watched, you you were supposed to put ha- uh, the juice of an orange in half of the rind of an orange in, uh-huh. but I thought it would be faster and easier to just cut up a whole orange and throw all of that in. Uh-huh. And so I wouldn't do it that way again. I yeah. would either maybe even just do the juice or just do the rind because it was a little overly clovey and a little overly like orange, orangey, which took away from the sweetness a little bit, the natural sweetness of like yeah. apples. And I didn't add sweetener or anything like that. So, like, there's some rooms for improvement, but I will do it again. It made the house smell really nice. Nice. Yeah. And it, I don't know, sometimes going a little cottage core makes you feel like. Yep. Sturdy. Yeah. Like, I can chop my wood and put it in my wood burning stove and. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, we stand in well, cottage like core. A, I got this. Yeah. I got this. Don't worry about it. It's resourceful. Yeah. What are you sipping over there? It is coffee with a little bit of whiskey, but also a little bit of orange liqueur. A little bit of control. Yeah, it's kind of like, um, so I really like Spanish coffees, Mm -hmm. uh, which there's a million different recipes. And usually they're cognac in an orange liqueur and then like some other stuff too. But obviously that's a whole to do in a whole. whole I never got time for that. No. And I was going to do, I do have a little bit of Bailey's leftover from Chris and Debbie. Mm-hmm. And, but then I was like, I don't really want that. And so I just I threw the whiskey in there and then I saw the orange liqueur and I was like, that might be good. And you know what? It was. This is delicious. Love that. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I'm into it. Before I forget, we had talked yes. about Pop-Tarts last episode, about the pretzel yes. Pop-Tarts. Yeah, we yeah, got yeah. a hot tip. From we did from friend Tori. of the show, yes, Tori, yeah. friend of the show. First of all, hello, yes. Tori, uh, up in uh, Oregon. Yeah, uh, she said, "Don't bother with the pop tarts." So we I know. believe they were soggy, and that's there was such a, a bummer. Sogginess problem because yeah. you don't want a soggy pretzel, no, or a soggy bottom, no. So we appreciate that tip. We will skip them. Yeah, trash. Mm-hmm. Good to know. Yeah. I'm glad I put them back the one time I almost bought them. Yeah, I will still eat every other kind of Pop-Tart. But I know mm-hmm. the pretzel ones. Mm-hmm. The garbage mama. Yeah. You ready for a story? Now that we've covered all of the bases. We covered Netflix. We covered drinks. We covered Miley. We got in some weird territory, but this is Detroit Strange. Would you say that we went down the, the plumber's pipe? I don't know what that means. Nope. Scratch oh, that. We the Erase. plumber's pipe. Oh. Sounds... Terrible. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Tell me Was a story. Was that plumber-laying pipe? Uh. No, just tell me a story. I hate, I hate and love that phrasing of laying pipe. I'm like... Oh, it's disgusting. But it also, I'm like, it makes me chuckle. Well, there's there's a lot of uh, euphemisms like that that are equally disgusting and equally as hilarious because they're not sexy. No. So it's like, who... Who's yeah. that going to work with? <laughs> Plumbers, I guess. Plumber core. Home Depot hose. They lurk in the miles waiting for someone to throw some pipe. Oh, gosh. Anyway. Moving on. So. What you got? Do you know what is the dirtiest square mile in Michigan? Speaking of being dirty. Ooh. The dirtiest square mile in Michigan. Any guesses? Ooh. Is it the old horse track? No. Because of horse poop. Is it, you said in Michigan? Yeah. Is it in hell? No. I don't know why. Is it, I, mean, I get a third guess. Yes. Um, is it a swamp? I mean, <laughs> was it guess. was at one point, so. Oh. No, we are actually talking about Zug Is it the Michigan Island Renaissance today? Festival? Sorry. You're good. Um, I wish it was the Renaissance Festival RIP this year. But mm-hmm. lost, but not forgotten. No, never. never. In our heart, I carry it in our hearts always. It's always a Renaissance fair in my heart. Well, yeah, because there's all the 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 port the the privies. Yes, 
And there's just like a maypole, everyone's dancing around it. It's a party. Anyway, Zug Island, though. Oh, this is interesting. Okay, I know a little bit about it because I thought about doing it at one point, but I uh, never had follow through. So I'm excited to see. Yes. So it is the dirtiest square mile in Michigan, and it's also known as Detroit's Area 51. Mm -hmm. So just a little bit about the island. So it's an island at the mouth of the River Rouge, where it pours into the Detroit River, which I think is what mouth means. I can't remember if it's mouth or delta. But uh, a delta means there's like the little thing of land in between, doesn't it? I think you're totally right. Yeah, like a like a triangle, like a delta. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I couldn't tell. If, I couldn't remember if there was like actually land or if it was just like the sh- opening was triangle shaped. I have no idea how I know that. By the way, thank you fourth grade geography. I don't know where that information just came out of my brain. I didn't do so well in geographical science. Or oh, ge- I did terrible. But for some reason, I know what. A delta and a plateau. That's plateau. I feel like that's what I've retained. Yeah, like there's just like random things where like, I guess I'm glad I know this, but how to do my taxes? I don't know that. No, I trust TurboTax. Do I love that? I trust my accountant. Nice. She's very nice and does not charge me a lot because I mean she's been doing my stuff since I was a wee little teenager. See, I had the opposite thing where I had an accountant that was doing my stuff, and then she just started charging me more and more, and I'm like, I could figure this out on TurboTax. Mine used to do mine for free, because my parents did theirs, and then my mom had her own business, so she would do mine for free. And then she started charging me, but it's still very low. Yeah. And it's very fair, and she's chef's kisses. Yes. I, that's all you I needed this. when i moved to la she like gave me her son's phone number so that i could look him up and be friends with him because he lives in la <laughs> it was like the small town <laughs> anyway so at the mouth of the river rouge you will find zuck island and it's a small like a little under square island square mile a little under a square mile Mm-hmm. And originally, it wasn't an island. It was a swampy peninsula that was turned into an island by the digging of a shipping canal. Mm. So, before the Europeans came to town, the island was used as an uninhabited Native American burial ground. Uh, and then when the Europeans came, they made it part of Ecorse Township. Uh, it was also said that the land once had a sulfur spring that produced over a thousand barrels a day. Which I was like, what the fuck are they doing with all that sulfur? And I looked it up, and apparently it's used in vulcanizing rubber, in fungicide, and in black gunpowder. Also in the production of, believe it or not, sulfuric acid. Well, this all makes sense. Yeah. So in 1859, the land was purchased by a man named Samuel Zug. Mm-hmm. Samuel Zug was one of the founders of the then-progressive Republican Party, can you imagine? Hmm. It's so weird to think about how that flip has happened. Yeah. It doesn't it doesn't compute super well, but I I mean I get it too because it's basically uh big government little whatever we don't need to get into, but Yeah. It's wild to think about that. Yeah. But he was a staunch abolitionist. And I think I remember I didn't write this down, but I remember reading somewhere he like bought land in Canada for some part of the Underground Railroad or something. Oh, cool. Um, so, <laughs> Why are we laughing at that? No, I just thought... Of, I, I just, think that's a good thing. No, it is. I was just watching Archer recently and Cheryl, like the... She's like the heiress on the show and she's like, mm-hmm. yeah, one of my uncles bank- went bankrupt digging tunnels underground trying to find the Underground Railroad. Ba-da-da. Yeah. <laughs> so that just popped into my head and I that's fair. That's had fair. a little giggle. Okay. So he moved to Detroit in 1836 from Pennsylvania, and he wanted to take the money he had made in bookkeeping there to make his fortune in furniture. Mm -hmm. He shortly after went into business with Marcus Stevenson, who was a Detroit financier. And together they formed the Stevenson and Zug Furniture Company, which flourished until 1859. Numbers are hard. Um, but yeah, just throw numbers out. It's fine. Yeah. So in like so the company was doing well in 1859. Mm-hmm. Zug was like, "Deuces, I've made my money. I'm gonna dissolve this partnership and 
invest in real estate because it was a more secure investment for his wife. Mm-hmm. And so he ended up buying 325 acres of marshy land just below Fort Wayne from the town of Del Rey, which I wrote. Call back to episode one. Bow, 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 bow. Mm-hmm. Well, and Fort Wayne. Yeah. I Call can't remember what number that was. That was like episode Fort was Wayne. Tens, I think. Yeah. It was, I don't think we're in Indiana anymore. That was the title of it. Yeah. I don't know why I remember was... that. Yeah. So two callbacks for you. If you haven't listened to those episodes, check them out. Mm-hmm. They're fun. Do it. So he bought the, the land with plans of building a Lux estate on the Detroit River. Mm. And so the dates weren't like they, I saw conflicting dates. Like the one article claims they bought the land in 1876 and one article said they made it 10 years there before the dampness drove them away. Either way, they built a mm-hmm. house. It wasn't great because the swamp. They moved out eventually. And in 1888, the Shortcut Canal, which is what it's called, the like, canal between the mainland and Zug Island, was dug. Okay, I was going to say the one that was made. Yeah. Um, which, are all canals made? Is that what a canal is? Like a man-made I don't waterway? know. Now that you say that, I feel like that's... Because the Venice canals... Definitely well, man-made. The ones in L.A., yeah, man-made purposely. Um, the Suez there's canals canal. in Detroit, which I think I forget that area is called, but like I know there's those canals here too, and I think those were man-made. So I think a, a canal is a man-made waterway. Maybe we'll look it up not in the report next thing. week. Yeah, mm-hmm. we're not a we're not a bodies of water podcast. No, but we strive to be, except for the Great Lakes. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> And uh, knowing the difference between a delta and a mouth. But mm-hmm. so at this point in 1888, it seems that Zug still owned the property because a Wikipedia article said that Zug allowed the River Rouge Improvement Company to make the canal. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, the canal was also widened in 1920 by Henry Ford to help traffic on the river to the Ford River Rouge complex. Oh, okay. So you could ship them Model T's all over, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, in 1891, Zug managed to pull off the real estate deal of the decade and sell the island for $300,000 for less than the what square is, mile. Wait, what year is this? 1891. Oh, so, adju- so much money. Adjusted for inflation, that would be about $8.8 million. <gasps> wow. Right? Like Holy shit. That's a good deal. Yeah. For him, anyway. Uh, yeah, so the right. island was bought by George Brady and Charles Noble. And sometime around then, some maps would say the island uh, marked it as Brady Island, but the name never really stuck. That's why we still call it Zug Island. Mm-hmm. Uh, Zug is such a fun word, too. It really is. I was um, getting ready to record this episode. I was just like, zig-a-zig, ah. zug zug ah. <laughs> did you just name the episode? zug zug ah. Yeah, I think you did. Yeah. So basically, these guys bought it as like a dumping ground for industry. Okay. What industry? I'm not sure. I just said industry. So iron comes to Zug Island. In 1901, Detroit Iron Works decided to commission a blast furnace on the island to bring iron making to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the furnace was completed in 1902. In 1904, M.A. Hanna Company of Cleveland, Ohio, purchased the Zug Island operation and added a second blast furnace in 1909. Okay. Uh, it was reported that these two furnaces were the largest of their kind and produced pig iron for foundry companies. Naturally. Of course. Yes, very familiar with iron making. F-E, that's iron on the periodic table. It sure is, it sure is. Um, in 1931, the plant expanded and was added to the Great Lake Steel Corporation, which was a division of the National Steel Corporation. In 1938, a third blast furnace was added, and the other two were enlarged. Sometime before it sank in 1975, the Edmund Fitzgerald ship... Yeah. Yeah, so it sank up in Lake Superior, I believe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So actually, its last load was dropped off at Zug Island. Oh, interesting. So dropped off the load, went up, and never came back because mm-hmm. of that storm in Lake Superior. Mm-hmm. There's a song. I feel like I've heard it before, but I couldn't tell oh, you. Yeah. I forget who sings it, but it's like a long... Oh, the Edmund Fitzgerald went up the mountain, and it came down because of the storm, and it sank. Now it's yep. dead. Yep. Yep. Uh, I went to the Edmund Fitzgerald Maritime Museum once when I was younger. 
Oh, was it a mm-hmm. was it a real barn burner of a museum? I don't remember anything about it other than like they had a lighthouse light, but like in the room, so you could see how big like a lighthouse like yeah. light is. And they that had, like, kind of cool. Spin it. No, I think you could just see it. Okay. <laughs> I was like in sixth grade, so this is a minute ago. Yeah. Um. So, in 2003, the National Steel Corporation was facing debts they couldn't pay and sold the island's facility and everything else that made up Great Lakes Works to United States Steel, mm-hmm. who still owns the facilities on the island now, but uh, late last year, they decided to indefinitely idle production there. So, oh. yeah, so the plants are kind of just sitting there right now. I have Zug Island today. Uh, it's kind of a mystery because it's heavily secured and not open to the public, which only fuels the rumors and mysteries surrounding it. Have you ever driven by it? I have. Well, like never like consciously. Bridge, yeah, because there's like the bridge or whatever to get on it, and it is like the security is so intense looking. If you actually look at it, like it's like it is jarring. I believe it. Just some of the stories that like mm-hmm. came out of it. Like in especially in 2010, with the development of what's known as the Windsor Hum. Yes, I was hoping you would talk about this. This came up actually in the Salt Mine episode too. Yeah, another callback. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is just Callback City, <laughs> Detroit, the Callback City. Yeah, um, it's us. Yes. So in 2010, the people in Windsor started to hear a hum, like an inconsistent drone of varying volumes. And they also apparently vibrations can felt be felt for almost 50. I did not put a unit of measure, but I'm guessing meters because it is Canada. Makes sense. Did not end that. I was just like, for almost 50. Fill in the blanks. Cool, Alex. <laughs> Your note-taking skills, impeccable. <laughs> People were obviously confused and annoyed about it. And I have a quote from a local in the Windsor Star. It's an intrusion. It's very disturbing. Very loud. I mean... Because it's like in their homes they can hear it, right? Like yeah, they I think so. Just be chilling at home and it and doesn't it kind of start like in the evening time generally or something? It didn't really say, but it just said like kind of just like sporadically, it seemed like. There was I watched a video and there were people talking about it. This is a long time ago, so I don't I could Is it the voice one? Yeah. Like oh, it's yeah. short. Yeah, I was like, I had that in my notes, but yeah, no. yeah. In the um, the people talking about it, yeah, they were talking about like six p.m. or something. There was something about dinner time. I remember because I remember being like, "Oh, you're just like unwinding for the day," and then all of a sudden this starts. Uh, yeah. Uh, in 2013, a study was conducted, and the results found that noise was probably coming somewhere south of Zag Island, but they weren't able to pinpoint the source. Also, I think. Windsor was trying to get the city to look into it more. And the city's like, we don't have money for that bullshit. Like, which fair. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, where do you start to? That's a, that's right. a hard mystery to solve. You get a bloodhound and just tra- train him to hear hum and just let him loose. And you lose your bloodhound. <laughs> well, you put like a, a chip at him. You put like a oh, tracking. Okay, okay. You put a, you put, you attach an iPhone to his collar and just use the find my iPhone feature. Every once in a while. Fair. So there is a theory that the hum is actually a mass hallucination. Uh, because it is so, like, spotty and whatever. Mm-hmm. And the noise apparently stopped for a bit, but came back in 2016. And in 2017 is when Vice decided to make the video. Okay. Which is still available on the internet. You can watch it if you want to know more about the hum. That's really all I had about the hum. But back to the... Pol- oh, what are you saying? Oh, I was just going to say the fact, though, that people think it's like a mass hallucination that just randomly stopped for a while, but then started again. Yeah, that's a little much to think that, like, collectively, everybody like, oh, it's done. Oh, and now it's back. The community decided we're not doing this anymore. Yeah. And then one person was just like, but what if we did this again? And now everyone's like, ah, go Uh, home, Janet. Yes. Nobody wants your hum. Take your hum and get the fuck out of here. <laughs> so as I mentioned at the beginning of this episode, it is one of the most polluted areas in Michigan. Along Great. with the steel facilities, Marathon has a refinery there that isn't helping the pollution situation. 
Makes sense. Uh, in the past five years alone, U.S. Steel has been fined over $2 million for environmental violations. Gross. Yeah. So health problems like higher cancer rates and asthma are common in this area. Mm-hmm. Also, some people have found a chemical benzene in their basement, Ooh. which is like this like toxic-ass chemical. Yeah. That doesn't sound good. Yeah. But like I said, the steel operations have effectively stopped on the island, and the DTE coal plant in the River Rouge is set to close in 2022, so hopefully the pollution will start getting better. Mm -hmm. Also, the EPA and Honeywell are teaming up to clean up the old channel part of the Rouge River, which touches the north and west sides of the island. And cleanup will cost about $50 million, but remove Mm -hmm. 70,000 cubic yards of contaminated sediment. Wow. Yeah. Uh, surprisingly, there is some nature left on the island. Like, I guess areas in the west and south part of the island are undeveloped. Foxes and peregrine falcons, which were once endangered, have found a home on the island. Huh. Also, at the bottom of the river there, there are coal cinders, which provide a spawning ground for lake sturgeon. Oh. Which... Interesting. Gross. But good for them. Yeah. I'm not a huge fish person. I... I, I like eating fish. I don't like the okay. idea of fish. Pretty little fish tank is fine, but yeah. it's not like enticing or anything that I ever right. invest in myself. Right. But I'm I'm very pro fish because yeah. I love a fish. I love to I eat a too. fish. Mm-hmm. Some fish are cool to look at, but most of the time, mm-hmm. not interested. <laughs> Fair. Some other rumors about the island is that there's a mm-hmm. secret correctional facility on the island, which is why it's so heavily secured. Okay. There's also rumor that parts of the movie RoboCop were filmed there, but Zaga Island was apparently mentioned in the film, but was later discovered that the mill shots in the movie were filmed somewhere in Pittsburgh, which honestly makes more sense. Yeah. Why would they grant them that... that, that- that would be weird. Yeah. Also, there's a Juggalo rock band called Zug Island, Island with a Z, like Liza. Liza with a Z, Island with a Z. Naturally. Uh, they're somewhat affiliated Island. with ICP, but I'm not sure what the affiliation is. Maybe they're on their Hatchet Man records, as we learned on another okay. callback episode, the Fago episode. Yeah. So right now, there, other than the cleanup, there's no definite plan for the island. Some people are mm-hmm. hoping that it'll get the Gasworks Park treatment, which I don't know if you're familiar with Gasworks Park. Mm-hmm. It's a park in Seattle that was an old gas plant that they just, like, basically let nature overrun. And so now it's just kind of like these cool old structures just covering, like, vines and stuff and, like, with park facilities. Mm-hmm. So kind of, like, a nice way to... Honor its garbage past while still making it useful for people today. Is that kind of so basically like, like let the stuff Highland. grow? Yeah, yeah, let stuff grow but make it useful. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, the Highline's really cool. I love the Highline. Yeah, for anybody who doesn't know, it's a lot of people probably know, but just in case, it's in New York City. It's a raised highway or raised uh train platform. Walkway. They turned into yeah. It was like it was a raised train platform. Mm-hmm. But then they turned it into an uh, elevated garden. Nice little walkway. Yeah, and it's nice. It's cute to walk down. It's got little plants and stuff. And I mean, it's Benches. been a minute since I was there, but yeah. I remember liking it. Yeah. No, it's cool. Uh, and then just before I forget, my sources are Atlas Obscura, Curb Detroit, and Wikipedia. Fantastic. Yeah. Well done. Not too ooky spooky, but we're... I figured I'd do you something, what, little, something a little mysterious at least. I'm not going to, because like I said, I looked at, I hit a few roadblocks and because there is a lot of mysteries about that place that I was just like. Right. It's hard to find like a lot of stuff about it. Mm-hmm. Like I was able to find the stuff I did, but. Which I, is a mystery no, in and of itself. It. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But no, I think you did fantastic. I'm so Thank glad you. somebody had to cover it. Yeah. It had to be done. Yeah. How can you have a podcast called Detroit Strange and not talk about Zug Island? Oh, 100%. Yeah. Thank you. No problem. I've earned a sip. You've earned a sip and a game. Mm. Which this will be a callback to last week and earlier in this episode. Ooh, is it about Miley? 
No. Bake Off? No. Drag Queens? Nope. Ooh, okay. I'll stop guessing now. It is about Pop-Tarts. Boo, 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 boo. Ba, 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 ba. <laughs> we love a Pop-Tart. Uh, Unless they're the pretzel kind. They're garbage. Yeah. Soggy. Don't do it. Uh, yeah, I decided, you know what? We learned a little bit about the pretzel Pop-Tarts. Might as well learn about the Pop-Tarts as a whole. Yes. And of course, there was a mental floss. Listicle. Whatever amount of things. Yeah, listicle about Pop-Tarts. So. 15 things you didn't know about Pop-Tarts. Pretty much. Yeah. So I've got a few extra tidbits afterwards, too. But you ready? Yeah. Okay. One, a competitor's business blunder made them possible. Okay. Two, Detroit got the first taste of Pop-Tarts. Ooh. Three, at first Kellogg's was skeptical of frosting the Pop-Tarts. Uh, I'm not shocked about that because if it was Kellogg, Kellogg, he's probably like that frosting's going to make them want to touch themselves. We can't have that. Oh, I forgot you know about him. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's sick. Fuck. Don't put any yogurt up my yeah, ass. Yeah, he's messed up, guys. Don't, we don't need to get into it right now. But yeah, uh, Alex one time um, wrote a par- wonderful sketch. It was beautiful about Kellogg and Graham. Graham being the namesake yeah. for Graham Crackers. Yeah. Both terrible men. Yeah, they just, they had theories about food and sexuality that just were unfounded. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, one, two, three. Yes. Um, <laughs> I'm going to say two is the lie, because I feel like it would have been like Battle Creek. Two is the lie, but it's not Battle Creek. Kal- Kalamazoo. Nope, it is Cleveland. Why the hell do they give Cleveland Pop-Tarts first? The level mm-hmm. of disrespect. I know, I know. Uh, you're right, though. I should have just made it Grand Rapids or Battle Creek or something. That would have been a better. Fair. I mean, I was like, ooh, it, it would be fun if it was Detroit. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so basically, um, after they were convinced that they were ready for the shelf, Kellogg's tested the pastries in Cleveland around 1963, and they were a hit. And they had stru- strawberry, blueberry, brown sugar, cinnamon, and apple currant. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they were all ruled out by 1964 nationally. I mean, we have no choice but to stand. Yeah, yeah. So a couple other things about them. So um, they actually only exist because their rivals, Post, actually had the idea to make a toaster pastry first. And in early they 1963... They make the toaster right? They do, I believe. I think so. No, that no, no. It's Pillsbury. Woo-hoo! That's true. Yeah. I think it's the one. It's the pokey guy. Yeah. But they announced a line of shelf stable pastries called Country Squares that diners could heat up in their toasters, but they made an uh, error in their announcement. They were months away from re- re- being ready to go to market. Uh-huh. So Kellogg said, hmm. Swooped their ass on. Good in. idea. Yeah. Let's figure that out. So shady. Yes. After uh, they were announced in 1964, the first prototypes were versions of the results sending regular pop tarts through a machine using like cookie icing. I think like animal cracker. Or yeah, animal. yeah. Kind of like yeah, some yeah. weird royal icing. Yeah, exactly. And post. So this is actually over at post. They were concerned that the frosting wouldn't be able to withstand the toaster's heat without melting. And so post walked into a meeting carrying a toaster to demonstrate the durability of the frosting. And Kellogg's execs gave him the go-ahead to start frosting the entire thing. So I think they actually did end up collaborating at some point on them. Because, yeah, I feel like for a minute when you were talking about it, I'm like, are those posts or are those Kellogg Pop-Tarts? They're definitely Kellogg, Maybe. though, right? Now I'm confused, actually. I'm going to look it up. Please do. Let's see. Pop-Tarts. They are made by Kellogg's. They're made by Kellogg's. Okay. Did they join or something weird? I don't know. We're not a cereal podcast. Leave it to Battle Creek. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Oh, I'm sorry. Bill Post was the manager of Kellogg's. That's why this is confusing. Uh, Nope. Nope. I'm sorry. I lied again. Bill Post was the manager of Keebler's in Grand Rapids. Okay. That's why this is confusing. So when I said Post earlier, I meant Bill Post, not this guy. Post Um, Post the brand. So they went to Keebler and they said, hey, hey, yo, 
uh, we need these pop tarts and post had been working at Keebler since his 16th birthday. So he'd been around a second Yeah, and um, he basically was the expert in this type of food production. I am an expert uh, in toaster pastry creation. Yes. And then his kids were actually the ones to test him out. And then this is interesting. They actually come in Paris for a reason. Uh-huh. So there's two slots in the toaster. No. In a book called Better Than Homemade, Amazing Foods That Change the Way We Eat by Carolyn Wyman, she solved the, the this mystery. Why are there two of them? And basically, it was to save on money for packaging. Okay, that's a, not that exciting. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I was like, oh, great. I mean, I love that there's two in a pack. Because... I mean, it's not necessary, though, because then you just eat two and you don't need to. Well, I mean, other people can have to. I don't need to. Uh, this is not a pop tart yeah. shaming con- or contest. <laughs> yes, not a pop tart shaming podcast. Well, I'll eat half a pop tart and leave it yes. in there to get dry and stale. That's yes. a lie. It's a yeah. miracle if I eat just one. Yeah. Uh, also, the original ones had rounded corners for some reason instead of the square ninety-three corners. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know why. Uh, I think maybe corners maybe, were too sexy for Kalog. Well, I think they changed it because it's easier to fill with the corners. Yeah, that they makes probably sense. would break easier or something. Yeah, yeah, and then also I knew this before. I almost made this one of the facts, but I think you probably know this. Did you know that uh, unfrosted pop tarts are have more calories than the frosted ones? Unfrosted do. Mm-hmm. Interesting, because they just yeah. put more sugar and everything else. I think so, yeah, because the actual filling is just more... De- and also, maybe even the pastry itself. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, I always get the frosted ones. This is... Yeah, they're good. This is... I like the... Hot, hot, the brownie sundae ones, or something. Hot fudge brownie sundae. Oh, yeah. Those I are good. I, s'mores. Like not a huge s'mores fan. I'll eat them if they're there. Mm, but interesting. I'm kind of traditional. I love the cherry. I love the chocolate fudge. That's what I liked as a kid was the chocolate fudge. I do. I like the fruit ones, too. And actually, I've come around on the cinnamon ones. I used to not be a fan, but. Yeah. Uh, again, they're like the if they're there, I'll eat them. Maybe. Mm-hmm. And then I got one last fact. This one's not surprising, but they can generate terrifying flames. And since Ooh. at least the early 90s, they've been blamed for numerous house fires following toaster mishaps. The Philadelphia Inquirer reported in 2001 that they had been implicated in at least 17 fires and explained that the heat of a toaster could ignite the corn syrup in the filling, which would cause the crust to burst into flames. Well, I know what I'm doing when we get back in the office. Yeah, well, then they said that actually um, there was a 1994 study in which pastries that weren't ejected from the toaster shot 20 inch flames out of toasters. Oh, my God. I'm buying a toaster from Goodwill. Hooking it up in the backyard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess there's actually a warning somewhere possibly on the packaging to say not to leave an unattended tart in the toaster. I mean, those are wise words. Wise words. The uh, the idle hands of the devil's workshop, you know. Yes, exactly. That's sage advice for all. But yeah, Do that's, what you want uh, with your hands. Pop-tarts and the dangers of Pop-tarts. The danger, the secret dangers of Pop Tarts. Yes, exactly. This is the subject of a lifetime movie. <laughs> Denise, From- a single mother, just trying to make it. Put some Pop Tarts in the kids. Mm-hmm. We're going to call it From the Flames. Yes. Her house burns down and it's Christmas time. Where's Santa going to leave those presents without the chimney because Pop Tarts burn down the house? Well. Yeah, Ooh. that's the Hallmark version of it. Yeah, the Hallmark yeah. version is the pop tarts burn the house and like, well, Christmas is ruined now. But then Santa comes in. He's like, I got you a new house that's pop tart proof. Mm, no, I no. there needs to be a love story. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Then their fireman comes and then the mom Sweeps who's the been mom lonely off the feet. Yeah. for years because dad's been gone because he passed away very long ago and she vows she'd never love again. Right. Meets the fireman. And then at first she's she's resistant, but Santa makes it happen. Santa's magic yes. makes it happen. And then Is this she one called to Too Hot again. to Handle? Yes. Pop Tarts, mm-hmm. Too Hot to Handle. 
Yep. I'd watch both. Don't ways. leave Tart unattended. Yes. <laughs> Something. Yes. Anyway. I think that pretty much wraps us now that we've created both a Lifetime and a Hallmark movie out of the Tutors and the Lie. Yeah. Look forward to, to seeing that now in production. Yes. Hallmark is listening. They're like, oh, they've done it again. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Hallmark. Yeah. Uh, call us. <laughs> yeah. If you're a Hallmark exec listening to this, give us a jingle. Mm-hmm. We'll get you some movies. Call me. On the line, call me. That's call all we me, can sing without being time. sued. Call me. Yeah. I really wish but I knew yeah. how long of a song you could put in a podcast without being sued. I think it's like 15 seconds or something. Okay. I mean, I don't think we I pr- don't... we're also singing too. We're not yeah, blonding. We would just take it down. Yeah. This isn't the hill we're going to die on. No. No. But <laughs> if you want to follow us on social media, flawless transition, yeah. you see that? Beautiful. Uh, Follow us on social media at Detroit Strange on Instagram and Twitter, Detroit Strange on Facebook, and our email address, DetroitStrange at gmail.com. If you have any answers to any of the questions we've asked today, let a hoe know. Yeah, or if you just want to say, hey, that's cool too. Yeah. And then subscribe. That'd be cool. Yeah. Uh, Rate. Do that too. Give us them stars. And uh, review. We'd We'd love to hear from you in, you know, any form really that'd be great and you know oh that's it that's it <laughs> i was like is there more i have to say i think that's it did i miss anything okay i think until next time yeah until next time stay, stay strange. Strange. Oh, I had a hiccup. <laughs> oh no do you need a redo we can do a redo stay, stay strange. strange there we go Nailed it. We did it. Crushed Nailed. it. <laughs> this has been a production of Planet Amp Podcast, powered by Pinecast. Our theme song was created by Detroit duo Sex and Violence. Mm-hmm.